This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 116 of the podcast where we inspire you to achieve your aviation career goals. In this episode, we have two interviews. The first is with Craig Pieper, the editor-in-chief and founder of AeroCrew News. And the second interview is Christian, a student from Central Florida Aerospace Academy in Lakeland, Florida. But before we begin, I have a few announcements. You know, many of you have written in asking how you can sponsor or advertise an Aviation Careers podcast. Now there's an easy solution. Go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and click on the sponsorship tab. By sponsoring an episode, your message will be heard by thousands in your specific industry or interest group. Go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash sponsorship. Also, don't forget to visit our scholarships page and review our new search function. You know, After much feedback from our users of the scholarships guide, we have decided to finally place an easy-to-use search function in the scholarships guide. Search by category, age, region, and more. But before we finish the entire search engine, we need your help. Please go to aviationcareerscholarships.com, aerospace, excuse me, aerospacescholarships.com, and click on the search scholarships link. You know, review those tables if you could. Take a look. Tell me which one you think is best. And the way you can do that is you can scroll to the bottom, and you can fill out the survey and send it back to us. This will really help us better serve your needs. Because Aerospace Scholarships, the largest online directory of scholarships, is growing every day. Our team here at Aviation Careers Podcast continues to grow that scholarships guide. And we want to make it easy for you to search. And I think I'm really excited about this because I know that you folks there have have asked me, hey, if I'm 12 years old and I'm looking for a private pilot certificate, I want to be able to search by that we have that solution for you. Just let us know which format's the best. And to do that, go to aerospacescholarships.com, click on the, uh, the uh, scholarships link, the search link, and let us know how you like it. Anyway, moving on, uh, we have an interview uh, with somebody who's actually been a friend of mine for years. Uh, we've flown together, just a, a, a super terrific guy, Craig Pieper. Craig is responsible for the content, layout, and design of this organization and the material produced in the Aero crew news aero crew news he's uh he's also the founder of another company called peeper training aids peeper training aids manufactures two aviation training devices they are known as holding pattern aid and inoperative instrument aid as a matter of fact we actually reviewed this gosh it was about four years ago uh peeper training aids on youtube and uh, i have a link to that in the show notes so go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash episode 116 you know, Craig is also a captain for a regional airline with a type rating in an Embraer 145 and has logged over 6,000 hours of flight time since his introductory flight in November 14th of 1992, and we all remember that. Hey, Craig, welcome to the podcast here at Aviation Curse Podcast. Thank you, Carl. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Hey, man, I tell you, it's been awesome. Uh, you know, I've, I've kept up with what you're doing. Uh, one of the reasons we want to have you on the show is because of the fact that a lot of our listeners have said, hey, you know, there's this great resource. It's called Aero Crew News. And I said, you know what? I know that, man. <laughs> That's Craig Pieper, and he's doing a heck of a job banging it out of the park with Aero Crew News. Uh, so, Craig, you know, first of all, 
our our listeners are are actually interested in all different aerospace careers. Obviously, the majority are in aviation careers. So, first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about what AeroCrew News is and and what it does, what it produces. AeroCrew News is a uh, pilot hiring magazine. Basically, We're, our function, our focus is for pilot, people looking to come into uh, a career with uh, flying. Um, we have uh, we our, our main feature of each month is a, a an airline, either a regional airline, corporate uh, company, or a major airline. And basically, the I have uh, those companies produce an article for us and uh, give us pictures and photographs and route maps and and whatever else they want to include inside their article. And they give us those those uh, pieces. I put the pieces together in the magazine. And lastly, we also provide an interview gouge. The interview gouge is basically me interviewing um, the uh, person in charge of HR um, or the chief pilot um, or whoever is in charge of that, that, that division. And basically, I would uh, you know ask some questions that are pertinent to an interview process, um, things that uh, you know potential applicants want to know about that company before they go in for the interview or for them to be able to prep and prepare for that interview properly. They need to know these things. Um, we also have other various articles in the, the magazine. Some aren't related to pilot hiring. Um, there's one about health and fitness right now. We have a, we have a blog about that. We have, we also have a, uh, another section called contract talks. Contract talks also, uh, talks about various different uh, rules in the contracts. And that's kind of, a a way for us to educate people about um, different uh, avenues of the contract of, of contracts, and it's very helpful, I think, for the military guys coming out of the military and looking for an aviation career in their, or an airline career. Um, and they get to, I've, I've, talked, I've had some feedback from some of the military guys, and they, they love the contract talk section because it just it really helps them explain to certain things they're not used to. And also, I think it would help uh, the guys coming out of college, the pilots coming out of college. Just learn uh, about the contracts because um, you have enough to learn to fly the airplane, let alone know the contracts also, too. <laughs> and that's for sure. As a matter of fact, it's interesting you mentioned that because in reality, the reason that we got together today, other than the fact you're a great guy, and uh, I've really admired a lot of the work you've done in the past, is the fact that uh, about three of the last uh, questions I've got were about contracts. I, and, I, uh, and I said, well, uh, let me discuss those with you. And, and then I said, go search them online. And they kept coming back, all those three people with AeroCrew News and said, you know what, this is a great comparison of the different contracts and what they mean. By the contracts, what we're talking about is the actual work rules and the contracts with the employees and specifically with the pilots of that airline. And you've done a heck of a job putting that together. Um, but my question is, if someone wants to see those, where can they find those? The uh, con all our magazines are all our mag issues are currently published on our website at aerocrewnews.com, um, and there's a download tab under uh, issues. Okay, I'm looking at that right now under issues is download, so they can actually download each of the issues for free. Is that correct? Yep. Every this is a it's a free pot hiring magazine. It's completely free. We have looked at doing a possible subscription where people get a paper copy of it in the mail. Um, that's in the works possible. Just not sure if there's that much interest because you know people could download the PDFs very easily. Um, 
We're also looking into doing something a little more modern where you don't have to download the PDF. The articles will be available online. This is probably going to be released in the next uh, two months or so. Um, and you can share the articles and everything else via Facebook, Twitter, or whatever social media that you prefer. Awesome. Awesome. That's And that's I'm really excited about that. It's uh, it's something that um, I've been pointing people towards for the for the past few months actually we i remember talking about this a while ago and uh and, and you you talking about the idea of this how long have you been doing this i remember us having dinner i can't remember how long have you been involved with Air crew news Air crew news started uh march of last year it's only been about a little over about a year and a half right now which it seems like a lot longer but it's not it's only been a year and a half so far mm-hmm. um but the genesis, I, I remember you even discussing this a while ago. Uh, this idea you had for quite some time, did you not? That's kind of correct. I, uh, I, I, I um, got the idea originally from, believe it or not, someone on a, a Facebook site mentioned something about, you know, we should have some kind of comparison to compare the different contracts. And and um, I was like, you know what, I could probably do that. So I started doing it, you know, and, and uh, I started uh, – first started what was called the regional grid um back in november of 2014 so it's, that's almost been two years now wow. and yeah it's it's been well and that started off with just just a simple like you know that as you look in the back of the magazine you'll see the contract comparison to start off with just a simple contract comparison with you know minimal information in it and uh, over uh you know a few months it grew um, and I started adding articles and whatever. And at first, I called it like a, basically a newsletter. And um, and then uh, March of uh, 2015 was when I first started the uh, the actual magazine. Um, we we I joined up with a company called Aircrew Solutions, and we renamed the magazine Aircrew News. Awesome. And and it's it's changed. It's really morphed, and I think it's it's actually uh, it's taken a step up. I think you've done a great job as far as making it look nicer and uh, and also getting the information out that that we need as pilots. Uh, one, I want to go back to something though to make sure people understand what Aero Crew News is and what they're going to see. We talk about the regional grid, and obviously the hiring is going crazy in the regionals, and everybody wants to know about the regionals. But but there's something else you mentioned, and something that many of the folks that are listening right now want to know about, and that's also about the corporate and also the major airline jobs. You've been able to incorporate that into the the magazine, into Air Crew News. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing for those two audiences, for the folks that are interested in the majors and also in the corporate world. So what we're doing for these uh, those two other groups, um, the corporate uh, charter companies and the major airlines, is we're also providing the same articles, the same interview gouge. Um, we also have the um, major airline grid also too, and that also does the same thing and compares to basically the same things that we compare in the regional grid as far as the contract stuff. We compare basically over 33 different variables of information. Uh, for people to look up and compare different airlines by providing this information, um, you know, it, depending on, how, on what kind of contract you want to work with and whatever else, and kind of what kind of pay rates, those you could look those things up in here, and you could kind of decide and, and help you decide what uh, career choice you want to take. Um, as the uh, hiring boom keeps it, can you continue to kick off? 
the next couple of years is that people are going to have multiple choices to go to multiple places and deciding what's best for you and your family is, is key. And, um, you know, what I've learned is it's, believe it or not, a lot of people are the bases. And so what we did was we added a base map for all the areas. And if you look at the scene behind the regional grid and behind the major grid is a spot for a base map. And that base map breaks down where every single airline is based at. So if you live near Minneapolis and you want to find out who's in Minneapolis, you go right there and you can see who's in Minneapolis. Cool. Cool. You know, that is really important. We talk about that a lot here, is the fact that it's uh, it's not just about the money. It's also about the lifestyle. Being able to be close to a base is really important. Uh, and I'm glad you, you bring that service to the folks. One thing that's kind of interesting to me is, you know, Craig, this is this is a heck of a project that you're doing here. Why why did you start this? I mean, why uh, why why do this? I mean, it's it, it's a lot of of sacrifice from you, and I know that you are incredibly busy. So why 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 Aerocrew News from from a personal standpoint? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I started off doing it, you know, just because no one else was going to do it, and I really I really enjoy doing it, you know. Um, it does take up a lot of time and it's not, I'm not going to, it's, it is a, a big project to do and it's a monthly project and it's a big commitment to keep it keen moving forward with it. Um, I enjoy doing it. You know, I, I love aviation and I've always loved aviation and this gives me one more way to, you know, um, bring aviation to my life, you know? Awesome. And also to help people, um, you know, in, in, in pursuing their career and pursuing the their, their their you know as they always used to say living the dream job you know <laughs> yeah and, and we are living the dream it's kind of it's interesting whatever your dream is it, it doesn't matter if you're flying for a regional or major uh, corporate flight instructing as long as it's your dream and it's important to you and I think that's something that I like about what you do with Aerocrew News or just kind of in general what you do in life it, it really doesn't matter what you're doing flying wise it's just that you're enjoying it and I and I and I can feel that when I actually read Aerocrew News and everything that you've actually put together as a matter of fact Craig you know it's kind of funny and if you don't mind, we, we can kind of go into how, how you and I met. We actually flew together. I mean, it was, uh, gosh, it's been, it's got, it has to have been, what, eight years, nine years now that we've flown together? Uh, I looked at my logbook, but I think you're <laughs> close. <laughs> and we had a great time. We had an awesome time flying. And I remember talking about uh, the different career choices. And we went out to dinner. And we had a an awesome time. We had a great flight crew. Uh, that's by the way, we can talk a little bit about that. But having a good flight crew is is really cool. Having a crew that gets along together and the dynamic there is awesome. You can go out, have fun, go to dinner, etc. And but but I do remember this one night. I think we're in. Let's see, it was Cincinnati, and I can't remember the the, the airport uh, and the hotel on the other side of the river. But uh, we were we were discussing all this, and we were discussing how certain people aren't necessarily going to move on to say the majors, uh, but they're going to stay with the regionals. And I had this conversation about two three days ago, and there's a lot of folks that are choosing to stay the, at the regionals, quote unquote regionals, which are really, in, in, as a matter of fact, are majors. I wonder what you think the reason is why the people are staying at the regionals after 15 and even 20 years 
and aren't even moving on. So, so why would why would someone like yourself or somebody else at the regional stay there? That's a good question, Carl. And um, my, if I had to think about that long and hard, I, I think the biggest reason is is uh, their quality of life. They've um, they're adapted to their use of certain things, um, and they just want to continue doing that. Um, they have enough seniority invested in this company, in the current company that they're with and they just want to stay there you know it's it's um i was actually talking to another pilot the other day who's on the fence on whether to do it or not and move on and um he doesn't like to go on overnights anymore and right now he's able to hold day trips and and he, <laughs> he does de- that and he that's what he wants to that's what he wants to do he lives in new jersey and just wants to see doing that um and it can make a living and that's another thing I think is important. We need to understand. Yes. You can make a really good living, especially as a, a captain at a regional airline. And uh, I, you know, let's let's kind of share that a little bit, so so people can get some. Let's be honest. You know, when I was a captain, you don't have to share yours, but in general, you can talk about this. When I was a captain at a regional, I was making a six figure income. I was making a little extra. I was I was working a little bit extra, but I was picking up those kind of things that would pay me time and a half or, or or double time even. But it really is is a career where you can make good money and have the lifestyle you want. The person you're talking about didn't do overnights. That's that's awesome. I personally wanted to do overnights in certain areas, and my life was just grand. I absolutely loved it. As a matter of fact, I. I didn't even think about moving on until I found the airline I'm with now by accident. And I said, hey, I like this place. And, and I decided to go there. And that's kind of how life is. But but really, I think that you, you touched on something that's so important there, is, is look at your life and say, hey, is this the lifestyle I want? It's not just about the money. It's it's the fact that, you know, I can actually stay at home. I think I, I don't, and I want people to understand this. And, and Craig, you can help me here. When, when Craig said this, he said that this person doesn't do overnights. When you're a junior and when you're new at an airline, you're going to be getting those overnights that nobody else wants. And and I'm sure, Craig, you, you've experienced that, haven't you? Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> and, and being away from home, being on reserve, and going those places nobody else wants to go to. And, and don't get me wrong. I love all the different cities in the U.S. As a matter of fact, I, I totally re- miss going at the regionals. There's there's so many cool places, aren't there, Craig? Yes, there are. Uh, I have to say my favorite city is probably Nashville. I love going there. <laughs> That's probably my favorite city. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, and you get to go to certain, like, um, I'll give you a good example in, in my world, uh, and you can relate to this. They're a rapid city. And I was like, I went to Rapid City, and I was in South Dakota. And I, I was like, geez, this is awesome. And uh, Sioux City. And I went to... Oh, gosh, uh, Sioux Falls even. I mean, all these different cities that I never would have had the opportunity to see and never would ever, ever in my life see unless I was working for a regional. And I got to really enjoy those places and uh, and places like Nashville. And, you know, Craig, just to, to let people understand, because there's a lot of folks listening that have never been involved in an airline. When you say Nashville, you're not just going to Nashville and, and just sleeping in the hotel. You're actually able to, to see things, aren't you? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, you know, with our, our our company with over fifteen and a half hours of fl- time at the at the city, where we get a downtown hotel, which you know allows us to go out and see you know Broad Street and everything else down there. Which is a it's a great time down there. 
I've been down there for Fourth of July, and it was just amazing. I've been down there for like a, a, just a random Tuesday night, and it's just it's it's dead. And there's still people going on. There's still music. There's still live bands. It's 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 a great city. It really is. And um, yeah, I I remember just to interject. I remember going there, and there was like this British pub. I think it was that had the most amazing fish and chips. And I can never remember the name of it, but uh, but that was one of my experiences. And here I am in Nashville, getting the most amazing fish and chips, and and here I am listening to music that I I never thought I would hear otherwise. So so it's not just about the flying, is what I'm trying to say. And and Craig's going to tell you too. It's not just about the flying; it's everything else. It's also about lifestyle and and picking the right airline per the contract. And I think that's why when you put this contract comparison together. That's quite important is the fact that you know, you understand. Uh, Let me give you an example. You understand the fact that if you work for company A and you overnight in the city that is your base, they're going to put you up in a hotel. But if you work for company B, another company, we're not going to make name companies here, by the way, you're actually going to have to find your own place to stay because that's your base. If If you overnight in your home base, you actually have to find your own place to stay or you have a crash pad that kind of thing those things are important aren't they craig i'm sure that's important very important especially if you're a commuter and you don't live in base you know that that could mean you have to go to your crash pad you have to have a crash pad, or you have to pay for a hotel room that that evening interesting interesting you said that as far as as commuting uh because that's another thing we get a lot of questions about as a matter of fact i just met with a client this weekend and we were discussing this that when you get based in in a base any base that you're at you're responsible for your own housing you know it's not it's not up to the airline you choose where you want to live and uh, this person was living in texas or is living in texas and was looking at a job in new york when you go to the new york you're going to have to find a place for you to stay in so that's really important and another neat thing is that there's so many boards out there for uh for looking into crash pads and that type of thing. Hey, there's an idea, Craig. Maybe you should have a board for uh, crash pads on your on your uh, newsletter. We actually thought about doing that, and um, I had a guy that was another pilot that was supposed to, that was a commuter. He was supposed to help me out with that, and uh, I guess it kind of fell through. So, uh, I, but I mean to follow up with him also too, and hopefully uh, one of these days we'll get something like that on our magazine that. Uh, you know, would help people to, you know, find crash pads in different cities. I think that'd be great. Yeah. And, you, you know, going to a crash pad, I don't like crash pads. I'll be honest with you. And almost every base I've been to, I have not had a crash pad. When I've had to have a crash pad, I didn't enjoy it at all. I usually like to live with family or friends close to whatever base I'm in. Or I rent a room, and this is me personally speaking. I like to re- rent a room from somebody who knows nothing about the aviation industry. Because when I go and I leave at two in the morning, they feel sorry for me. If you get a pilot, <laughs> a pilot sees you leaving at two in the morning, they're like, "Okay, buddy, get out of the house." You know, <laughs> they don't exactly they don't care as much about you. So uh, I, I like doing that. Is and and people are just wonderful out there. They understand that you have some some strange shifts and and things like that, uh, and they understand what you need to do and how you need to get to work and uh, they'll park uh, accordingly that type of thing i remember when i had a i rented a room in in uh, salt lake city when i was working for a regional out there uh, he would actually uh, move my car for me it was kind of cool uh, but and not not too many people will do that for you no but, uh, they wouldn't know no no um now let, getting back to aero crew news i mean uh, the regional grid i i thought was really cool it, it's taken a step forward 
Um, but what other things that you provide that we haven't talked about? I know we talked about the contract comparison and interviewing the different airlines. Is there anything else that you want people to know about in AeroCrew News as far as the services provided? We do have a another uh, section in our magazine called the Fitness Corner, and uh, it's basically written by a, um, a fitness coach, um, and she writes us writes us a blog first monthly and provides us with um, you know things to do to help you improve your your health, and also she does a a monthly uh, workout routine that she instructs on how how to do it properly. Um, so that's another thing we have in there. Um, we also have in there something called Aviator Bulletins. The Aviator Bulletin section is uh, a section of, you know, we, information we get from the airlines, uh, basically their updates of what there is going on in their industry what, or the, their company. Um, for example, last month uh, we had United Airlines gave us uh, some information about their new um, train facility that they're – not new, new facility, but existing train facility that they have in, in Denver that they're upgrading with uh, more sims and then moving uh, – there's sims from Houston over to um, Denver, and maybe I should have mentioned the airline. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we could figure it out actually, probably from that. But uh, that and that's interesting, right there. I mean, that that's awesome that you were able to get that inside knowledge. Um, but you're always out there getting all this knowledge. And Craig, you know, one of the things that that amazes me how much you get coming in. Do you have like a staff of people, or do you have a, a team that helps you out with this? I have a few authors on st- on staff, and then a couple of the other authors uh, do things um, just to get their own product out there. You know what I mean? Right. Um, like our fitness coach, she has her own um, fitness software that, or, or fitness app that she offers. So she does this as to kind of get her own name out there, also too. Um, as far as anybody else, I mean, that's really all we have right now. I uh, the the most of the articles are written by you know the companies that uh, we, we we talk to you know and the, and the companies that we have contacts with. Right. So a lot of it is uh, is getting them to get us information, and uh, I usually do a a blast mail every month to to remind them, hey, I'm looking for some information. If you guys got some, please let me know. Uh, I'm looking for your latest updates. You know. Hey, can you mention uh, some of those companies that are uh, partners with you in Aerocruise? Um, yeah, sure. United Airlines provides us with information. Express Airlines provides us with information. You know, uh, Commute Air provides us with uh, information. Allegiant is really good also, too. Uh, PSA, Piedmont, uh, Envoy. Jeez, um, the list just keeps on going and going. I, I think there's some more here. Um, sorry, one second. Well, gosh, you know, just that list alone is, is, is pretty cool because those are hiring a lot of folks right now. Yes. And... Uh, uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say Great Lakes Airlines, Air Wisconsin, um, Delta, Frontier, Spirit, UPS, Coletta, Ameriflight, Endeavor. Um, those are yeah, that's a pretty good list of uh, of companies that help us out here and, and give us information. You know, every month. Awesome, awesome, and that's something that that I look forward to in, in all of your newsletters is the fact that you have updated information. You're also out there trying to find more, which I think is really, really cool. You know, one one thing before we we have to wrap up here because we have to go on to our our, uh, our next part of the show is, you know, how about Aerocrew News? Where where do you see it going? You know, what's what's the future of Aerocrew News? What's going to be new? Can you give us a hint as to what's coming down the road? Yeah, definitely. Um, Right now, we are working on development, as I mentioned before, of a new website um, coming out. And this new website is going to be able to have the ability for 
people to share the articles that um, we produce on any social media platforms uh, that uh, – um, well, there's actually only four. Excuse me. There's only four social media platforms that, we, that I think this site, this, this site allows us to do right now. I'm going to try and get more in there. Um, see what we could do about that. But basically, it's a uh, you know all the articles will be online. So if anybody has any interest in looking at our articles, they could share them on Facebook. Uh, we're gonna not we're not gonna have any of those uh, annoying pop up ads that block you and or the read more buttons. You know, we're gonna try and avoid those. We want people to read be able to read this information, read the articles, and get them out there, get the information out to people. Um, there is another thing that I, I do want to do with the grid. I want to get the grid. But I don't want to share too much about that right now. I won't give away all my secrets yet. Right. <laughs> and um, and uh, so there's, there's going to be something new coming out with the grid also too uh, online hopefully. Um, and uh, what was the other thing? Oh, we also have a, a another author that's uh, going to be coming on board here next month hopefully with a a travel blog. So we're going to have a travel blog also too in the magazine and the on the articles. Um, basically. You know her experiences with traveling, and it's going to be I think it's going to be a really great addition to um, our magazine as far as us just talking about traveling, you know, and flying around the world. And because that's one thing we became pilots for us too was so we could travel, we could fly for free, right, or stand by, you know, <laughs> stand by. <laughs> oh, you know that's cool, dude. I tell you, I'm so glad you brought that up. That, that oh, man, I, I can't tell you how that's affected my life lately is the fact that one of the things that's neat about being an airline pilot is you and I, as pilots, we can jump seat on over 100, close to 200 different airlines around the world. We can bring our family using our past privileges. And one of the neatest things happened to me this week. I got to go visit my brother-in-law, who my wife hasn't seen in over two years. And it was just, it was just going to the airport jumping on an airplane and flying there for free right <laughs> for free and and just showing up and saying hello and saying you, you know what and and my wife still has has a tough time with this and most people do if i want to i can have breakfast in bonaire you know i can have lunch in london yep. you know and i i can go to delhi and have dinner i mean it's just those are the things that i can do as a pilot and we can do and our family members can do, and sometimes we don't take advantage of it. So that is so cool that you're doing that and yep. uh, and bringing I, that to us. You've mentioned that uh, going to you know some places for lunch and dinner, or whatever. I went to uh, Berlin for 48 hours. I went to uh, Ulm, Germany, for 48 hours. My roommate, uh, my old my old roommate, um, uh, used to live there, so that was really cool to go see Germany for a couple couple days sporadically throughout the year. You know. Right, right, and and by the way, just to, as a, on a personal note here, Craig, you've been around the aviation industry for a while. Your your family's been involved, have they not? Correct. Yes, my, as you actually, actually mentioned, when the first time we flew together, you knew my father also too. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, it, isn't that a small world? This aviation it community, it really. Uh, it, and this is the weirdest thing, Craig. You and I, when we flew together, your father was actually I think it was maybe four or five houses away from where I was living. 
It was, it was so strange. As a, and, and, and that's just, and we talked about aviation, and no matter where you go, you start talking about airplanes and flying. And it's something that we all love to do. And it's something that is, it really speaks to the heart of our passion. It's not, it's not the, just the flying, but it's also the places we get to see. But, but we still do get to fly, and it's a challenge. And, and flying, that's the neat thing about this job, is not only do we get to see those wonderful places in the world, we also get the challenge of flying into some really interesting situations and, and doing approaches to areas that, that can be quite challenging, especially at the regionals. You do it every day, do it multiple times a day. Where uh, you know sometimes with a major we'll we'll sometimes do one flight a day or one flight every other day. Whereas in the regionals you get to go up and down a little bit more often. Plus with the regionals, I, I always try to stress this to people: regionals are no longer what you think a regional is, and it's hard to get that stigma out there. But I've been to three different countries in one day flying for a regional. the The last regional I worked for went to uh, Guatemala. They went to Cuba, they went to Canada, they went to Mexico, they went to the United States. To me, that's not a regional. And, and a majority of the flying, almost half the flying from the, or more than half the flying from the majors is actually done by the quote-unquote regional airlines. Isn't that not true, Craig? That is very, that is very true. It's been a, a changed model since the uh, 80s, I want to say. The 80s, back in the 80s, uh, most of the airlines used to do all the, the major airlines, all the flying for their their company, whereas uh, a lot of the um, regional the, the regional airlines back then would do the the, the short hops. The, you, you said they used to call them the puddle jumpers, and now you know most of the regionals nowadays are not puddle jumpers. They're you know they could cross the country almost you know or at least halfway if not better you know. Sure, sure. Um, but and I've been saying this for years. It's 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 you know something that I think you've mentioned before in some of your uh, your your. Podcast is is about uh, the shortage of pilots that we currently the shortage of, shortage of qualified pilots that we currently have right now in the United States and even around the world. Um, I've been saying for years now that uh, the model we had back in the '80s we're going to see again here in the near future. Whereas the major airlines take back over a lot of the regional flying that's been given to the regionals, and the regionals continue to shrink in their size of um, um, the size of their planes they have, and the size and the number of airplanes they have. I mean, the, the easiest way to solve it is now. Let's take let's take one city for example. Let's say Newark to Orlando, or actually, let's say Newark to um, Philadelphia, and let's say we have four or five regionals a day, the round trips a day, right? And that's uh, one way. It's um, you know, fifty people in, a, in in an airplane, and that's two hundred and fifty people right there, and with five nonstop routes, right? Um, now. Granted, that gives the passengers the passengers more um, flexibility in time schedules, but that's what ten pilots, correct? So right, sure. Five flights, ten pilots, right? So you could take uh, you know two large airplanes that hold 125, 150 people. Now you have three hundred people on that on that route capacity, and you have only four pilots. Right. So there's how we're going to solve the, uh, the the lack of. Uh, qualified pilots in this in this in this um in this country just by increasing the size of the airplane yeah and so like i said we're going to see that model come back from the 80s that was uh you know where the majors the major airlines did most of the flying for flying across the u.s right right i've been seeing it for years it's gonna happen so yeah, yeah. it's gonna it's coming around it's starting to, to already pick up where we see some major airlines taking some of the routes from the regionals and um 
It's funny you you put it that way. That some of the major airlines taking some of the routes from the regionals is that it kind of was the other way around, wasn't it? There for a while, exactly. There, and regionals I'm not taking some. By no means is that a bad thing because uh, it's just it means there's more jobs for more pilots at the major major line level. You know, right, right. So it's it's a, it's a good thing in my opinion. Yes, me too. And and what's interesting is how you said that is the fact that you know the bigger the plane, uh, the less pilots you need. I think even the regionals are going that route, aren't they? They're they're flying as far as they can. They're flying bigger airplanes, are they not? That's correct. That's correct. As as the uh, as the pilots uh, really really give the company some um, relief in the scope clause, and scope clause. In short, is basically what the uh, it's the contract between the pilots and the management of what they can do as far as their the scope of their business model. Right, that's the best way I can describe. It, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. It's and and basically it talks about size, scope, is size, right? And so right. Uh, you know, there's there's a certain size. Like you're not going to have a regional pilot flying a 150 seat jet. Uh, you probably won't be seeing that, and uh, and that's part of that scope clause because they then they be losing jobs, and uh, and we've seen that happen in the past. Uh, you know them trying to even do that in other countries. It's just it, it's a real challenge. It's a real uh, interesting dynamic. One thing though that we always will see is change. It's always going to change. The industry is always going to constantly change, which is which is pretty cool. And the fact that. Finally, you know, you and I both have been pounding this drum for so many years, and people are finally listening. Hey, there's a there's a shortage of pilots, a shortage of qualified pilots, and we need to do something about that. I will say one thing, and I hope you feel the same. There is hope. I mean, I I am so excited that I see so many young people wanting to get back into aviation. We saw a little bit of a lull, but people are excited with the fact that they're doing something so magical. They're taking a large piece of metal and taking it from point A to point B, flying through the air as they're sitting in an airplane, strapped in, and seeing the incredible wonders of the world. And I think, from my personal opinion, that magic is coming back. And I hope you've seen that too, Craig. You know, one of the things that, that is interesting is that the the fact that we, as as pilots, we still think it's magical. I mean, I, I do, too. I mean, I know we sometimes think, oh, you know, this is, uh, you know, oh, it's easy, blah, blah, blah. And I think sometimes we, we do that and we shouldn't. I mean, it really is a challenge. And uh, it's not just the flying, it's everything else. And, and we shouldn't downgrade that at all. That's for sure. But, uh, hey, Craig, you know, I just realized... <laughs> You know, we could sit here and talk for hours about this, and I hope I hope that you'll you'll be willing to come back on because we have to get to our next guest. Uh, I hope in the future you'll be able to come back here and talk to us again because there's some really cool stuff that you're doing, and uh, we'd love to to promote you here. Uh, but but where if people want are interested in your product in your in your web page in your in your uh, actual newsletter, how can they find you? What website should they go to? Uh, the best website is aerocrewnews.com. That's our that's our main site. Okay. Yeah, www.aerocrewnews.com. All right, cool. Aerocrewnews.com. And that's actually that that used to be called the regional grid and it was it's really come a long way and I think you're doing a wonderful job and we can't wait to see more of what you do in the future. Uh, but if somebody's uh, just as a last note before we leave, if someone's thinking about this job, the job of aviation, job of flying, not not just flying airplanes, just in general. Uh, and they're thinking, gee, you know what, Craig, I, I don't think 
I can do this because, you know, I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too, I don't have the correct uh, tan or whatever, I don't have the correct, you know, uh, background as far as my education. You know, what would you tell some, some young person that was thinking that right now? I would say that's not true at all. I mean, there's no height requirement. There's no um, tan requirement. There's nothing <laughs> at all. I mean, there's, nothing, there's no requirements at all. I mean, you just you just need to go there, get your licenses, get your degree, um, and, and start flying. You know, and that's the best way, best advice I give somebody is is I, I've you know run across many potential pilots, and actually my um, my uh, my wife's friend. Is her son, and he's 12 years old, and he knows he wants to be a pilot right now. And so every time I every chance I get, I encourage him, and and I I, I mentor him in, in in a way that he wants to be a pilot, you know, and, and trying to get him to go to different uh, um, expos and whatever else, so just to learn about flying and, and to learn as much as he can. I even gave him my private pilot book. I said, start reading. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and that's a good idea. That's a great way to encourage people. Get them to read. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Start learning about this. You're, you'll thank me later. You know? <laughs> well, that's awesome. And, and you know, Craig, I, I think we need more people like you, more people that are out there being advocates for aviation. Aviation in general, uh, it's, it's not just about the career. It's about the flying. Even if you decide that after your private pilot that you don't want to move forward in your career, that's fine. But you know what? You'll always be a pilot. And it instills so much in your life. When you become that private pilot, you actually you get a lot of skills and you have tools now that you may not have had before, like making decisions, certain mathematical tools, but also the confidence that comes with actually moving forward and getting that pilot certificate. So no matter yes. who you are, just it's going to help your career. It's going to help your life. Um, and and I know Craig, you you've been a big big advocate of aviation in general, not just not just careers, but just general aviation. I think that's totally cool. And I think I feel that most people are that way, uh, airline pilots, etc. I'm I'm sure you feel that way too. Yes, definitely. And if I may go back to the point you just made, um, the the confidence of doing these things and uh, becoming a pilot instills in people. Uh, I could think of a perfect example when I was back in my CFI days when I was when I was teaching. Um, students to fly. Um, I remember a, a young young man, probably 15, 16 years old. old um, in fr- in uh, he was a freshman high school, you know, kind of like a real quiet, you know, secluded kind of guy. Was getting like maybe like CDs in, in high school, you know, um, and uh, it was kind of a joint effort. I sold him. I, I think there was a couple. There's maybe two or three instructors there, and we kind of like. We tag team different students sometimes, um, and this is one one gentleman, one young man we we, we tag teamed, and um, just to watch him grow, you know, from the time he he got he first came in, the time he soloed, and the time he got his private pilot license, he went from a CD student to an AB student, with um, you know tremendous confidence. I mean, soloing an aircraft by yourself at 15, 16 years old. Um, truly is you know a confidence builder you know definitely mm-hmm. but it was just it was amazing to watch that young man grow into in in, in a short a short you know year period of time you know so but that's just i want to add that add that note to your your confidence speech you made before right and and that's awesome gosh craig that's a great way to end this i mean it's, this is awesome because of the fact that you know we here try to tell people to to just realize your dream no matter what it is if it's somebody if it's something you know it might be in aviation, it might not be, but 
but this aviation and this career, this this field of aviation, really does help you grow as an individual in general. And and both Craig and I both believe that. And that's kind of like why why I wanted to have Craig on because I know he's he's an incredible advocate. Craig, you know what? We could sit here and talk for hours. I I I I would love to have you back on again and talk about aviation some more. I think this is so cool. <laughs> so uh, we definitely have you back on again. That the website is aerocrewnews.com, and it's Craig Peeper uh, Peeper Training Aids. We did a video a long time ago. As a it was actually one of our first reviews. So 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 be nice to us. Be kind because it was one. Of the first reviews we ever did on YouTube, uh, it uh, we've come a long way since then as far as the reviews are concerned. But uh, he he is banging it out of the park with this Aero Crew News. You have to read it if you're at all interested in an aviation career, both on the corporate, major, and regional le- level. Read aerocrewnews.com. Well, folks, we got to move on to our next interview with Christian from Central Florida Aerospace Academy. But Craig, I want to say thank you so much for being here. You're welcome, Carl. And thank you for having me on on your your podcast. I really appreciate the opportunity to come and speak to you, you all your listeners. Awesome. Thanks so much, Craig. And and, uh, and you know, hopefully, and I, I'm sure we'll have you on again. And yeah. folks, here we go on to the next uh, next interview with Christian from Central Florida Aerospace Academy. And here we are with uh, Christian, a student at uh, Central Florida Aerospace Academy. You know, Christian was asked to do an interview with me as an assignment for his school. Central Florida Aerospace Academy, or CFAA. As you know, I coach the flight team at Polk State College. It's uh, right near CFAA. Some of you don't know about it, so let me just tell you a little bit about it. The uh, Central Florida Aerospace Academy has a vision. It's to promote the lifelong process of learning by challenging students with a rigorous curriculum and uh, tailored hands-on experiences with special focus on science, technology, engineering, and math, or STEM. The Academy will respond to the needs of the industry by placing emphasis on teamwork, individual achievement, skill development, creativity, and innovation, as well as critical thinking. As students are prepared to be productive or responsible members of the workforce, the Academy will instill in them an appreciation for professionalism, ethical behavior, and awareness of global opportunities while developing self-worth, high expectations, and mutual respect among a diverse population of students and staff. Students actually attend the high school every day at Lakeland Regional Airport and have access to all the benefits of high school, sports, clubs, etc. So if you get a chance, go to their website. It's polkacademies.com slash CFAA. We'll have a link on Aviation Careers Podcast. But without further ado, it's uh, our, the, actually, I'm, I'm actually Christian's guest today. He's interviewing me. So uh, Christian, mm-hmm. welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. Thank you. Hey, you know, uh, Christian. So you're you're actually. I think you said you're in the eleventh grade. Is that correct? Yes, eleventh grade. Cool, cool. And now, tell us a little bit about this project, and we'll then we'll go right into some of the questions that you're doing here. Um, Mr. Brunsler, one of the teachers at the school, he wanted us to um, just look into the future and see what kind of jobs there were for our fields that we were choosing. So there's some people doing the engineering. Uh, track and stuff and there are people doing the airplane and all other all the other ones that are offered at the school cool and i decided to do pilots because i want to be a uh, airline pilot when i graduate awesome Awesome. oh by the way are you uh did you start flying already you have your pilot certificate um no but i'm going to apply for the scholarship that's at the school maybe next semester or so cool 
Cool. And, oh, and by the way, of course, I uh, forgot to mention aerospacescholarships.com. We have all the scholarships that they have over there at the school. So if, uh, if you're interested in that and you're listening, you're from Polk County, et cetera, just uh, listen, you know, check it out. We have uh, quite a few scholarships there. And also on the polkacademies.com slash CFA, they, they list them there too. But uh, awesome, man. That's pretty cool. It's a, it's a lot of fun. So, and I know you want to know a few things about it. So go ahead and uh, fire away with your questions there. All right. Well, the first one is, what was the first flight you did for your company? Well, the first flight I actually did for this company, it's kind of interesting, was during the actual in-the-airplane first flight was to Florida. I actually flew from New York to Florida, and it's during uh, a thing called IOE. IOE means Initial Operating Experience, and that's when we start actually getting experience in the airplane. And uh, I was with a Czech airman, and that Czech airman, what they do is they make sure that we're ready to go to be able to fly with passengers on board without a Czech airman and just a regular line pilot. So it was actually New York. And then I went down to uh, to Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, Florida, and then back to New York. And uh, that was kind of interesting. Okay. Um, why did you want to become a pilot? Um, actually, the, the biggest thing for me, honestly, in, in general, as far as becoming a pilot, was um, it was more of a dream than anything else. It had uh, more to do with the fact that I dreamed of kind of being a bird up in the air and being able to look down on the world and and view the world from a much different perspective. Well, you know, I always loved airplanes and I loved model airplanes, but I never thought that I personally could be a pilot. Then one day I was into model airplanes and a friend of mine who also was in model airplanes said to me, you know, you could actually fly those things. And I'm like, looking at him, like, you got to be crazy. Me? You know, I can't fly one of those things. And he says, yeah, yeah, you can do that. He said, go to a local airport. You can get, like, a free ride. And so I went down to the local airport, and I got in the airplane, and I looked. I just looked around from the air, and I said, oh, my gosh. This, this is what I want to do. I want to be up here. And the, and the it was really cool. The guy who took me up, the flight instructor, he looks at me and says, you know what? He says, I get paid for doing this. This is a blast. So... That day when he told me that, and I got to see the world from that view, it I was immediately hooked. Hmm. So, was your first flight uh, stressful? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was definitely successful as far as uh, you know. Uh, but as far as stress is concerned, um, the as far as the airline flight, the one that I had the intro flight obviously wasn't that stressful because it was somebody else flying. But as far as my first flight. Um, it was it was kind of stressful because I knew that someone was checking checking me, you know. And you, you, when someone's always is looking at you and trying to check you, you do you feel a little bit of stress while you're while you're actually, you know, looking at the the instruments. You're thinking, "Gosh, is that person looking at me? Looking at the instruments? Am I doing everything right?" That kind of thing. But actually, the the first intro flight wasn't the first time I. Uh, Actually, uh, soloed a plane, I think it was a little bit stressful, but that was after I realized I was by myself. In the beginning, it was, it was, it was uh, really exciting. But stress, nah, the first, first couple of flights were, were more fun and joy and just being up in the air than, than being stressful. What was the biggest plane you've ever piloted, and how far did you go? Gosh, uh, the biggest plane is actually the one I fly now. It's an Airbus A321, and uh, we hold hold up to 200 seats in the airplane. And uh, normally the farthest I go is about 
oh, about 2,300, 2,200 miles. To give you an idea, what that is is uh, the longest flight I've done is from Boston to, say, let's see, that would be Boston to San Francisco, say. Uh, or actually, no, it's Boston, L.A. And the other ones I've done are like uh, like Florida down to South America, that type of thing. They're approximately six, seven hours. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> um, without being specific, what kind of salary do you make and how long has it taken you to get to that level? So as far as salaries are concerned, and I actually have a link. It's There's some cool stuff, by the way. If you're looking in salaries for anything and any jobs, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has this awesome website. It's bls.gov. Uh, and you can go out there and take a look at the like the airline salaries, that type of thing. In general, uh, what I tell people is that the the pay for airline pilots, you know, regular airline pilots, the median pay that means in the middle for pilots, flight engineers, co-pilots is about one hundred seventeen thousand. That means that right in the middle, uh, airline and commercial pilots about one hundred two thousand. Now, with that said, uh, you know, I've done a show before. I said don't make the two million dollar mistake in your career. An airline captain in like a single wide, you know, a single aisle aircraft, not no wide body. You're you're gonna expect to make about two hundred thousand dollars a year, and then on up for the for the wide bodies up to into three four hundred thousand dollars. But to get to that point takes a while. Normally, you know, most people take about five years to ten years to get to their ultimate goal. In the beginning, though, the pay is really low. But uh, but once you you get to this level working for a major airline, you you will in your first or usually your second year, excuse me, your second year, you'll be making a hundred thousand a year or more. And then by the time you retire, you're at least making two, three hundred thousand a year. And and that's very conservative. Some people they work extra, just to give you an idea. Um, I have folks that I work with in their second year flying as a first officer, not a captain. Uh, they're making two hundred thousand a year, but they're working really hard to make that because the way we're paid, we're paid by the hour, and our hourly rate is based on the number of flight hours. So the more more flight hours you put in, the more we make, and then the more senior we are. Every year we get a bump in our pay, and uh, and that actually really affects our pay rates. So so yeah, you can expect second year with a major about a hundred with the regionals. You're looking about half that, uh, but then again, with the regional airlines, which is the step before you get to the majors, flying the smaller jets and the turboprops, uh, some of those those made those captains. I mean, me personally, I made over a hundred thousand dollars a year as a captain at a regional, and now I'm at a major making more, and that actually uh, can be done. But those guys also are, are working hard, or they've been there for a long time. So again, median salary in the airlines in general about one hundred seventeen. Nice. Well, how many hours? Did, uh, how many hours did you make in a week, or how many flights did you make in a day? So normally, what we do is, um, as far as a week, I usually look back over a month's time. I'm not sure if I look at it from a week, but in, in the, if we look at a month, I normally fly about seventy to eighty hours in a month. Um, now, with that said, that's how many flight hours I have. That doesn't mean I'm not at work. So. Uh, to give you an example, say I, I do a flight from New York to Florida, 
and that flight takes me two and a half hours. Well, I have to get there an hour before. So even though I flew two and a half hours, I've been at work three and a half hours. Then I get to Florida and I got to fly the plane back. Well, we got to get the people off the plane and then we got to get the people back on the plane that are going back up to New York. Mm-hmm. So that takes, you know, a good half hour to an hour. So, you know, in a, in a day, I'm usually flying about, I'm at work about eight to 10, sometimes 12 hours. Uh, but total flight time is, is normally about 70 to 80 hours in a month. But I'm actually, um, to, to give you a, a better way to look at it as far as a, if, you know, a normal person looking at this, at my level, I'm somewhat senior. I usually work about 15 days a month and I have the rest of the month off. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool actually. Yeah. Do they make you wear a uniform or is the, is the uh, uniform casual? You know, every airline is uh, makes you wear a uniform because the, the, you know, it's just the way it is. The, the pilot, or excuse me, the public judges us based on our appearance. And to have a professional appearance, uh, it means to the public that we also are very professional in the cockpit. So just about every airline has a uniform that's, that's somewhat formal. What's really interesting about that's a great question because uh, there was an airline that I did some work for, and what they did, they went to like a casual uniform where all you had to wear is long pants and a collared shirt. And people kind of didn't think they were pilots, so they said, okay, forget this. We're going to go back to being an uh, a, a airline that has a regular uniform. With that said, during, in the Caribbean, I do a lot of flying in the Caribbean. Some of the airlines down there uh, will allow you to fly without, say, a tie, uh, just a, like a shirt and slacks. But it's, it's you, know, you can still see the epaulets on the shoulders with the bars and all, but... Uh, they're a little more relaxed because it is it is a little bit warmer there. But most airlines uh, throughout the world, just about every one, you do have to wear a uniform. And yeah, we we sure do. Okay, um, it, is your workplace strict, strict or casual? Well, atmosphere. It, it's actually it's interesting. This is kind of a, a cool thing. We we kind of make it somewhat casual. We try to, um, but we try to have fun and enjoy our environment, but when it has to get strict, it gets strict. For instance, uh, when you know we're loading passengers and we're saying hello and we're not doing anything, say, safety-related, that's a little more casual. It's like, hey, how you doing? It's great to see you. I'm glad you, you're on board. Welcome aboard, that type of thing. When things get to the point where there's an issue or a challenge or an emergency, then it changes dramatically to a very strict atmosphere. We have some protocol. Uh, you know, you have the pilot in command who's the captain, and then you have the flight attendants, the first officer, and things. Uh, you know, when we go into that emergency mode or a mode where we need to take care of a customer, it may not even be a flight emergency. It may just be a customer who's sick. Uh, we immediately start working on it, and, and things get very strict, and we have very strict procedures, and which is good. Yeah. Um, did you have to learn any other languages for the job? So, interestingly enough, the FAA and uh, ICAO, the International Civil Aviation Organization, has determined the international language uh, for aviation is actually English. So I didn't have to because I was actually you know, born and raised in the United States, but I've had friends that have actually come from other countries, and they've had to actually get their English proficiency. As a matter of fact, Something uh, that I stress to people, and I think it's really important to know, is you have to be English proficient if you're going to become a pilot because, uh, especially from another country, you have to demonstrate the fact that you're 
English proficient if you're not from a country where English is the primary language. So I haven't had to learn any other languages, although with that said, I fly to a lot of countries that speak Spanish, and then for a while I was flying to countries that spoke French, and my, my French actually honestly is terrible, so I, I don't do so well with that, but the Spanish is a little better. So for my own personal reasons, I, I try to learn as much Spanish as possible because of the places I go, and it makes it easier for me to order food and find the bathroom, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had any uh, emergencies during flight, um, and how did you get out of that situation safely? Well, yeah, and, and I think every pilot has had an emergency, and there's different levels of emergency. Yes, I've had an emergency. I've had a few emergencies, and um, that's the that's the part of the job that really is the stressful part. You know, 98% of the time you're flying, everything's going properly, but it's the, it's the emergencies are the ones that you remember. And uh, as far as the, the situations I've been in, Basically, just kind of follow the checklist and got out of it. For those situations that I've had emergencies for, there was no checklist. Uh, well, like multiple failures of systems that I've had in an airplane. That's when you have to put your pilot cap on. You say, okay, now it's time to do that flying thing, and we need to, to think outside the box. And remember, we're hired to be pilots. We're hired to actually keep people safe, and there's not a checklist for everything. And uh, the good thing is that, obviously, I'm here talking to you today. Everything came out successfully, and yeah. uh, nobody was hurt. But, uh, you know, a successful outcome is... To, in my mind, a lot of times that the passengers don't really know about it. Uh, we've, uh, you know, I've had friends recently that have had engine failures, and basically you get on the radio and say, "Hey, you know, we've had to turn off one of the engines, so we're going to have to go back to the airport and land." That's an emergency, as opposed to, you know, "Oh my gosh, we're going to, we're going, we need to do something now, or else we're not going to make it." Those those type of emergencies don't happen that often, but they do. They're very stressful and. Uh, you know, I would like I said, it doesn't happen that often, but when it does, you basically you really earn your salary. That's for sure. Yeah. Have you ever had to change your path because of a storm? You know, this time of year, absolutely, boy. It's you know we're talking right now, and it's you know September, June, July, August, September, especially in the, the southern United States, Central America. Boy, I tell you, that's about all we do is try to stay away from storms. Um, as a matter of fact, I had to fly through the this one hurricane uh, four times, so we kind of went around it, you know, around the edges that were were not quite as built up. So definitely, uh, that is honestly that's a big part of our job is trying to get to the path or go on a path that keeps us away from those really bad storms. So uh, how old did you do in school, and what kind of education did you need for uh, a job? So me personally, I went to college for computers, and I was really interested in artificial intelligence. So my major was computer science, math, and psychology, and I loved doing that stuff. But then oh, I got the bug bit my senior year in college, and I was like, oh, man, I want to go fly airplanes. So it, as far as your degree, uh, it, it's you need a degree to fly for a major airline. As far as the regionals, not so much, but you should get the degree done, done anyway because you may not finish it up. The major airlines, you need a degree, a bachelor's, a four-year degree. And the reason being is that it's their way, number one, of weeding out all the competition because there still is a ton of competition at the major level. Also, it, it kind of tells me as a recruiter and someone who does interviews that 
Yeah, you you know you you've actually been able to put forth this effort, and you know how to study. And I know that you'll probably be successful in class because when you go to class for an airline, you know the old saying, it's like drinking out of a fire hose, and it really is uh, as far as all the studying you need to do. So you really do need to know how to study, and you need to know you know the basics of certain things and and how the world works, and especially when you get out there uh, flying, you find out some of the classes you take in school. Uh, that you think wouldn't apply really do like your history classes and all like if you're I go on an overnight like in Mexico City and I'll go to some anthropology museum and some of the things I learned in history and the history of the world actually helped out there but uh, but again going back the education that you really do need to have is, is a four-year degree and a lot of people go on to do even more than that so where is the coolest place you've been and what is the coolest thing you've done Oh, the coolest uh, place that I've actually been, there's, uh, it's hard to tell, but one of the coolest places, honestly, is I'm kind of an airplane geek. <laughs> so uh, one of the things I love, the, this is, it's called St. Martin, and uh, it's, we land on the Dutch side, and it's an island in the Caribbean, beautiful island, and you may have heard of it, but you see a lot of times these big airplanes land there. And there's a beach right next to the airport, and there's this beach bar there, and people hang out, and they watch the airplanes take off and land. And what's really cool is when we take off, you know, we put the power to it, and there's people hanging on the fence, and they kind of get blown away sometimes. They're not really supposed to hang on the fence, but they do anyway. And uh, and our, our thrust actually goes so far out, it goes into the beach and down the water. And people even on the beach sometimes will roll into the water because because of the thrust from the jet. So that's probably one of the coolest places I get to go to go fly into. Uh, and there, there's a couple others. Actually, I honestly like to go into LaGuardia just because of the uh, the arrival there is, is kind of a challenge. And some of the, the other mount, the mountains in, like, Colombia uh, are really, really cool. So those are the cool places. But the coolest-looking one and the funnest one, I think, is is going into St. Martin. It's really, really neat. And, you can, and by the way, you can go on YouTube and look at St. Martin – and, and look at the pilots and, and airplanes, and there's some really cool videos out there to watch airplanes take off and land. Um, what was the job that you had before, and has it helped you get to where you ha- or where you are now? Oh yeah, that's for sure. First of all, the one right before the one I'm in now was actually in aviation. I was a regional uh, airline pilot, and that definitely prepared me because as a regional airline pilot, you're doing many more flights per day in and out of the big hub airports, those large airports and also smaller ones. And it it enables you to get a lot of experience in a very short amount of time. Because once you get to the majors, you know, sometimes, you know, I did a four-day trip the other day. I did maybe four flights in four days. I did one flight a day. Whereas at the regionals, I did four flights in one day. So that's a great amount of experience. Prior to that, though, Every job that you have really prepares you for being an airline pilot because not just flying the airplane is important. You're also dealing with other people. You're dealing with flight attendants. You're also working with uh, other crews in the airport and airport operations, mechanics. You really have to know how to communicate. So those jobs where you're working with other people help so much in enabling you to actually go out and work with other folks and communicate. And I think those, those, all those jobs I've had have really helped me to get to where I am today as far as this job, and, and they've really been 
been wonderful. That's for sure. I look back at some of those jobs thinking, wow, I can I can relate now. You know, I remember having to explain to somebody about some mechanical thing on their car when I worked at the gas station, and now I'm doing the same thing to passengers when something breaks on the airplane. It's a very technical term, and now I have to turn that technical term into something very simple that I can relate to the passengers so they understand why we can't go fly right now and why we have to get it fixed. So those all those jobs have helped, that's for sure. Uh, what was the biggest challenge that you had for getting this job? The biggest challenge, I think, uh, honestly for me, was was the weight. Um, getting to, you know, at a major, there are so many other applicants, and the largest challenge is preparing for that interview the and, and being ready to be in that interview. So, for instance, I had to know what to wear. I had to know what questions are going to be asked, and, you know, I had to do some interview preparation because you're in this, say there's, I don't know, there's like 150 jobs. You've got like 6,000 applicants for that 150 jobs. And now you need to shine. And so getting ready for that was was probably one of the biggest challenges there. Plus, the other one, which is kind of the big elephant in the room, uh, is getting the flight time. And you really have to get out there and fly as much as you can to build the flight time to get that job. When I got to the majors... I thought I had a lot of hours. I had like 8,600 hours. And when I was in class uh, or in my interview class with all these other people, I realized, oh, my gosh, all these other people here have the same amount of hours as I do. And I always like to tell people, when you get to the majors, it's kind of like playing major baseball. You think you're a good pilot, right, when you're at the regionals or you're a flight instructor, et cetera. But when you make it to the majors, everybody's good. So that's the biggest challenge is, is realizing, hey, listen, there's – Everybody else there is just as good as you are. That's for sure. Yeah. How long do you plan to fly for? Gosh, I, I plan to fly for as long as I can and that I can do it safely. I mean, there's the limitation, obviously, as an airline pilot. I can only fly until I'm 65. I'm a flight instructor, too. I still keep my flight instructor certificate. I don't see myself ever... Quitting flying with one exception, I hope that I am able to recognize when I'm too old to fly, or I hope someone's able to tell me that I'm too old to fly. I know 65, I'd definitely make it to that, but uh, beyond that, I really, really hope someone will say to me, hey, listen, you know, Carl, you need to hang it up, or, or why don't you go fly with somebody who's a lot younger, that type of thing. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions I have. Well, awesome. Hey, you know, this, this is this is really cool, Christian. I think this is awesome what you're doing, uh, you know, at Central Florida Aerospace Academy and uh, and, the, and over there on the Lakeland campus. And we actually, uh, it's interesting, the cool thing about the Internet, we actually haven't physically met. When I'm down there, I, I definitely want to get together with you and, and, uh, and talk to you a little bit about the school there. Um, but, you know, for... For a lot of people that don't realize, that school is uh, it has a really high graduation rate. Uh, I don't know what the statistics are now. I remember at one point it was like close to 100%. Uh, do you know if they're still at that right now? Um, yeah, I think so. I think basically um, in the avionics class that I'm into, well, he says this year I'm going to be getting a um, – I forgot what it's called. It's a little – piece of paper that says I'm good and I can do stuff with uh, electronics and circuits and stuff like that. And my aerospace uh, teacher is trying to get us to pass the FFA ground school. Mm -hmm. 
uh, test right. that the school provided for us, and that should get me that uh, thing done for being able to get my pilot's license. Awesome, awesome. That's cool. So someday you're you're eventually going to get into the cockpit of uh, in something. Mm-hmm. Are you looking at uh, primarily the airlines? Is that where you want to go? Uh, yeah, flying people, flying all, all around the world. I, I what I really want to do is fly overseas, like in Germany, in that area. Cool. From like New York to Germany or England, those places. Well, there's a, there's a lot of jobs doing that. I'm sure you'll get there, especially at your age. You're so young. You have so many years ahead of you, and I I really envy you for that. And I think uh, where you are is a perfect spot, and I I think think you'll do really really well. Well, Christian, thanks for doing this interview. And uh, for those of us that are listening right now, and if you want to check out the Central Florida Aerospace Academy, go to polkacademies.com slash CFAA. And as I say in every episode, do something today, do something now to move forward in your career, just like Christian has done moving forward in his career, working at and moving forward at his certificates. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you all next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.